Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, good evening, and welcome to Man on the Post Extra Time. My name is Chris. Uh, with me, I have got Mark. Hello, oh, Mark. Are you alright? I'm fine, Chris. I'm great, thank you. Uh, just ourselves this week. We've got no Emma this week. Uh, Portsmouth fan Emma is at home, sitting, rocking, watching uh, Southampton on Match of the Day, slowly gibbering, wondering where it all went wrong. Uh, she'll be back next week, hopefully. So we were talking about Manchester United, uh, the Champions League. A couple of other bits of news, and then looking forward to this weekend's predictions. So, first of all, we'll start chronologically on Monday. West Brom 2, Manchester United 2. Sessignon and Berahino for West Brom, and Fellaini and Daly Blint uh, scored for United. United now six games without a win on the road, and they're only one point better off than were this time last season. So, are we saying Van Gaal out? Um, well, the the fans that aren't are they? They're obviously they're still a little bit in awe of him and in love with him that they never really had with Moyes. Mm. Um, but the results are not a whole lot different, um, and the performances so far have been a bit in and out. And Monday was no exception to that. He's kind of held in awe a little bit, isn't he, uh, Van Gaal? What he did at the World Cup and what he did at Bayern Munich. But of course, you've got to remember the second season at Bayern Munich. It all went wrong. Um, it didn't go right for him at all, hardly at Barcelona, did it? Um, it never quite went right. I mean, I wouldn't say it went wrong, but they, they always seemed to kind of fall at the final hurdle with, when he was at Barcelona, when they were, uh, supposedly had, you know, this great side with all the Dutch players and everything else they had. They just never quite got over the line yeah. there. I think the, the the World Cup and a bit of the the cult of personality is, um, is, is blinding people at the minute, and that's why he's getting a fairly easy ride up to now that Moyes never got in, almost instantly. Um... So I mean, we'll see. Uh, the other night they weren't they weren't impressive. The the only time that they started to look like a, a side that had any kind of pattern or superiority over West Brom was when they brought Fellaini on. He looked all right, didn't he? He looked like he was on a mission, which you know he's he's got a point to prove. You know, he's he's he's. It depends how you you play him. Obviously, I've seen him a million times for Everton, so I know what he's good at and know what he's not good at. But I, I don't. First of all, I wasn't exactly sure that Moyes should ever have bought him. That was a panic buy. But I don't think they've ever really worked out where he, where his best position is at United. And the problem is his best position at Everton was as a like a withdrawn target man. So not quite a midfielder, not a number ten, but kind of playing in that area of the field, but not an out and out centre forward. The problem I knew is they've got four or five different players who are going to play either up front together or up front with one slightly withdrawn, and Fellaini isn't one of those first four choices in that. But if you play him as a defensive central midfielder, he's not a good enough footballer mm. to 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 make that place his own and to make and to have any influence. And that's why you saw when he came on and he instantly pushed into that position, you saw what he could do. I was very impressed with West Brom. I didn't I can't hardly remember them giving the ball away. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they played well. They. I don't know if I tipped them for the drop at the start of the season, but a lot of people did, and a lot of people obviously um, thought that Irvine would wouldn't last a whole load of time. And there's still there's still the opportunity that he will get sacked in the next two mm. or three games. But um, he's got a reputation as an excellent coach, but he's obviously had a couple of managerial failures at Preston and Chef Wed before he went back to Everton as a coach, and now he's gone to West Brom. So they're they're. They'll end up. Be, they'll be a lower mid-table team possibly by the end of the season, and if they can keep Berahino fit, he's he's always shown in the last year, hasn't he, that he's got a good eye for goal. He had a little bit of a fallout with Morrison and the rest of the team, I think, at the back end of last year. But I would. He started this season. I wouldn't want a cheeky Liverpool bid for him in January. He's not a flash in the pan. He did quite well last season, didn't he? Yeah, he, he looks like a good little, a good little player. I mean, how good? It's it's again. It's a bit early to tell. He's got he's got a lot of the sort of the Agbonlahor and the um, going back even further back the Vassell kind of small mobile good touch. But like those players, those players didn't really go on from their early couple of years. It'll be interesting to see if if he can go on from being that kind of player to go to the next I step. Franz Carl when you started reading off those names. Oh, Franz Carl, <laughs> I mean, he was he was useless. <laughs> he was fast though. He was fast but useless, yeah. <laughs> United's next four away games... Oh, no, next four games, sorry, are Chelsea home, Man City away, Palace at home, and Arsenal away. It's mm. getting tough, isn't it? Yeah, they should be... They sh- OK, they are. We're, we're, what, are they sixth or seventh or something? Like they're pretty they're sixth, high up. Yeah. yeah, sixth. It's still fairly tight, mm. though. But I think they're probably four or five points short of where they should be with the players they've got versus the teams mm. they've played. Um, because, I mean, Palace at home will give them a game, but those other three games, you'd be surprised if they didn't... Well, you wouldn't be surprised if they lost them all. No. Um, anything other than three defeats, I think, is actually not bad. I know that's... It, it's unbelievable that you're saying that about Manchester United in big um, Premier League games like these coming up. But they are... I think they are that far behind. Certainly City and Chelsea... And they're still they're still behind Arsenal. I think it'll just depend how how many players Arsenal have got missing through. Their injury. average starting age was twenty four and a half. I thought it was quite a quite a nice little stat. Bearing in mind you've got Van Persie who's thirty thirty one. I mean they've got some young mm-hmm. players there, so there is a lot of potential, I suppose, if you stick with them. Yeah, well, we've we've said it, and we're not the only ones who have said it and spotted it, but they just haven't got the right players mm-hmm. yet. Got too many players who are all. Kind of the same. Uh, they don't have a, a mix of a, a team yet, and I think that'll take the time to get that. Uh, Tuesday night was the Champions League. Chelsea 6, Maribor 0. I think most people saw this coming. Um, Drogba scored. Uh, mm-hmm. yep. That was a good penalty, that was. John Terry scored. That was quite a good goal by John Terry, wasn't it? That was like a catch him on the break and he pounded upfield, didn't he? Didn't, didn't they clock his run at 100 yeah, yards? That yeah, that was a very good goal. Um, That's pretty and Loic Remy, the one that uh, Liverpool let go away. Yeah, well, I think again we we're not the only ones who have mentioned this, but that was always a a strange decision mm. to to not go through with that. If if he has got a problem, then why did Chelsea take him on? Well, exactly, indeed. Uh, Liverpool's recruitment the last few years has been a little bit odd. Uh, turning him down, they didn't get. Clint Dempsey, I know Clint Dempsey's not exactly going to pull the world alight, but 
they were in competition mm. with him, somebody else, and the other team got them. Mukhtarian, he went mm. somewhere else as well, and that all looked a done deal. So, Liverpool. yeah, Salah, Salah, with Salah, the yeah, that's true. I think Salah might, I think Chelsea might happily sell him back <laughs> at some point. But that was almost mm. a done deal, the Salah deal, apparently. So there's something going wrong with Liverpool's recruitment at the moment. Yeah, uh, and we'll talk about Balotelli in a little bit. CSK two, Man City two. City were two 0 up. Uh, let a two goal lead go away. Uh, or let two goal lead slip. Very controversial penalty at the end. Did you see this? I did. Did you yeah. think Colos stood his ground, or was it a penalty? <sighs> it's uh, as plenty of people say it's one of them, isn't it? Sometimes they're going to get given, and sometimes they're not. I thought it was. I can see why he gave it. To be fair, yeah. but, but at the same time, I can see why you wouldn't give it. It's yeah. one of those, isn't it? Uh, Vincent Company was unhappy at the away fans ban. Um. He said the City fans haven't done anything wrong, so why should they get banned? Which, he's got a point. Indeed, yeah. I mean, th- exactly, they didn't do anything wrong. Um, but I suppose there's if you're gonna if you're gonna play a behind closed doors game, then it has to stick to that, doesn't it? Apart from the relevant officials and mm. what have you, media. Yeah, it must be a funny old atmosphere to play in. That was like a sort of training game almost. Mm. Uh, yeah, Arsenal great escape last night. They were losing till the 89th minute against Anderlecht, and then they won two one. Um, Gibbs and Podolski uh, mm. gave rise to a rather good headline in the Independent this morning. Luca said, which I thought was quite good. Not as good as this radio station is named Podolski, which was somebody else that came up with that one. That was your Prima scheme fan. That's quite a good one. Um, Wenger said it's a gambling situation when they were down and they had to uh, gamble and at this point, particular point it came off. The crucial point was when they were 1-0 down and they couldn't take advantage with a chance for the second goal. So um, He's right, and it really is. And if you go 1-0 up against... A lot of teams do this when they score against a bigger team, don't they? They go 1-0 up and then they sort of sit back, don't they? When really you should go for the second. Yeah, they do. It's a, an age-old adage, isn't it? Attack is the best form of defence and if... I didn't see the game, but if Anderlecht, if Anderlecht were ahead and deservedly ahead, then why not carry on doing the thing that's got you into the position of superiority in the first place? Because all all you do is you you hand it back to the opposition and a, even a two goal lead, let alone a one goal lead against a team who you know is is as good as Arsenal when they've got the ball. You're just asking for trouble. I'm, you might as well go out and go for the. Second. I remember watching Leicester about ten years ago. Um, I used to go. I saw them quite a lot about 10, 15 years ago. And when Mickey Adams was in charge, he had this horrible habit of when a team, when in, when they went one nil up, of just sitting back and sitting back, and you just knew what was going to happen. And more often than not, the team did equalise. And it was only then that he thought, you know, I've got, uh, I've got something to do here. It was a very David Moyes tweet uh, trait at Everton was to to do the same thing. Was especially in the big games, if he got one up against um, Man City or Chelsea or somebody. With forty minutes to go, it was it was almost instantly right. Let's pull back to the edge of the area, and you just hand the initiative to the side. And, and often it doesn't matter how good you are as a defensive team. Defensive team, you just ask if you defend deep and you bring somebody onto you. All it takes is a, a shot from twenty yards out to be deflected yeah. into the goal. You know, and, and for them, um, the, the good team will always find a way around you. So you know you've got to you've got to try and make hay while the sun shines. Well, the only thing we've ever seen do it really, really well would be somebody like Chelsea under Mourinho. There's maybe others that I can't think of, but they they got a particular habit of doing it well. 
Yeah, but they they they're exceptional and and were in his first spell as well. They've always been exceptional at the counter attack. Mm. So even if even if they've gone, you know, been pegged back, they've been able to to hit back again, you know, with with counters. So yeah, it's a difficult one. Arsenal would have ex- would have expected to win that game. So to have left it so late, um, maybe they're just not playing as well as. As you'd expect well, you would to. have mixed feelings if you were Wenger. You won, and you kind of have to admire the way that they came from behind to win, but they were in that situation in the first place. So mm-hmm. you've uh, sort of double-edged sword of that one. It was his birthday, though. Oh, well. Born anniversary, or Mr. He was Wenger? 65. So he should be shuffling off to get his pension, then. Uh, do you think he'll be doing that soon? No, I don't he's think so. Boot. I, think, I think he'll carry on for... You know he's not. Um, he's very much like Ferguson seven eight years ago when he could have retired. Looks like there's plenty of life and and desire in him to to build another generation of Arsenal team. Yeah. He can go on for another five years easily. By the looks of him. Uh, I think he probably could. Right, and that's it for uh, English teams in Europe this week. There weren't any more, were there? Champions yeah. League. No, no, that's it. Should we, should we gloss over Liverpool and pretend it never happened? <laughs> so I was trying to do you a favour there. You just no, I know. It. I thought for for reasons of bias, I thought I better. I suppose I better had mentioned it. Oh boy, here we go. Right, Liverpool nil, Real Madrid three. I did actually think at the end, well, I probably would have taken that at the start of the game because I didn't think we got any way in hell of winning. Uh, Ronaldo and Benzema, fantastic first goal by Benzema. Great assist by um, James Rodriguez after. Graeme Souness in the build-up had called Rodriguez a bit of a waste and panic buy and uh, it bought only on the <laughs> reputation of having a good World Cup. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which I thought was a little um, harsh. Uh, Benzema scored two. I have to say, his two goals were easily defendable. Um, Balotelli didn't cut down the cross from Cruz, I think it was, for the first goal. And the second goal from the corner was just a, an absolute mess. Mm. It was awful defending. Well, the the actual back four of Liverpool we know is has been suspect for quite mm. a while, um, but there seems at the moment there seems to be a little less urgency that 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 whatever rubbed off from Suarez to the rest of the players doesn't seem to be quite there at the moment in the front six to when they when they need to defend, and if your defence is shaky as well, you know that's you're always you're asking for trouble a bit. Um, I don't I didn't see the first half. Um, I, I went to the a pub to watch it with a friend, and um, the pub had issues with their satellite television, so I actually missed the first half. And I saw the second half, but it seemed like in the second half, Real Madrid could have could have had a few more goals if they really pushed themselves. Yeah, I think they played within themselves with a Classico coming up this weekend, didn't they? Would you like some uh, mm. Mario Balotelli stats? Uh, go on. Then. He had two shots in the first half; both were blocked. Uh, he had the joint lowest amount of passes, was 17, uh, the same as Lazer Markovic, and he only had 23 touches, and only Markovic had fewer. Uh, Markovic only played 23 minutes, though. Mm. Now, is that because he played awful and, and wasn't interested, like everybody seems to be saying on in the media, or did Liverpool just not simply, simply not have the ball to give to him? Uh, I can imagine it's probably a little bit of both. I think the only player that really came out of it with any credit yesterday was Sterling. He was the mm-hmm. only one that seemed particularly um, up for it. I have to say, even the crowd were really quiet. 
there was no sort of European night atmosphere that you would have got under Rafa. It didn't, it, it didn't seem an intimidating place for Real Madrid to come and play. Um, I, you kind of feel a little sorry for Balotelli because he's kind of getting panned at the moment because he's not Suarez. Suarez was like this little wasp, wasn't he, that would chase all the central defenders and he would harass the goalkeeper and it'd be an absolute nightmare for the other but, team. And um, Rodgers would have known all this. He would have known how languid mm. Balotelli is when he bought him. I, I, I think... I think it was a mystifying signing. Uh, whether it's a whether you think it's a good amount of money or a bad amount of money, his his transfer fees are going down each time. You know, each time he's being transferred, so that tells you something. I don't think if AC Milan were in um, weren't in a bit of financial uh, strife at the minute, they would have sold somebody who'd scored better than one in two goals for them since he went there to then go and get Torres mm. on loan. Um, but we all know what Balotelli comes with, both on and off the pitch. Why? I'm, I'm just. It just mystifies me why Liverpool would have gone for him, because because of everything we're seeing over over the last 24 hours since the, since the game, and little bits here and there where it's just started to build mm. up, isn't it? In the media saying that he's not interested, he's not bothered, he's scored one goal in 10 games. He's he's do, he's not done this. He's not doing that. He gave his shirt away at half time. Rogers has whipped him off um, because he's not having it. This is this is always going to happen. It's not a surprise that it's happened this soon. I'm just surprised that Liverpool actually went from in the first place. I mean, I've just watched, the, for example, I've just watched the Lille versus Everton game, and that kid Origi that mm. they signed um, looks a really good player. He's got great movement, great pace. He's a good player. He's not just he's not just about physical attributes. He's got an eye for goal. They paid ten million for him, but to to then loan him back to Lille for the season, they could easily have paid the extra two, three, or four million pounds. Got him in, and I think he would have fitted right into that team because he's got the he's got the same kind of movement and, and so on that the likes of Sterling and Sturridge have got. And just because he's young and he's very inexperienced, I think he would have brought a lot more to that team than Balotelli has done so far. And will do in the long run. So, and of course, we do already mentioned the Remy mm. situation. So, you know, I think whoever signed off on that deal's got lots of answers. Answer well, effectively, for. he's a third choice signing, wasn't he? Origi yeah. and uh, and Remy were ahead of him. What do you think about his shirts swapping? Is that all a bloody fuss over nothing? I think it's a strange thing to do at half time. I mean, I'm not against it at the end of a game. You know, especially the big game, and you want to get. That's that to me. That's fine, but at half time in a game, why would you want to do that? Yeah. Like I don't, I don't think it's horrendously bad, but it looks bad, doesn't it? Yeah, it it, it looks like you're kind of showing deference to. Uh... Or you can't be bothered, and you know you're coming off thinking, you know, I've, I've had a crap game, and I don't really care. So here's my shirt. I'll have yours, and then you swap another one yeah. after it. It's just a bit of a strange thing to do at halftime, yeah. I think. Lots about uh, Ronaldo being applauded by the coppers. He walked off as he was substituted. Although one wag did tweet, um, "Will Patrice ever get the same if he comes back with Juventus?" <laughs> <laughs> well, a similar thing. I don't know how well Ronaldo played, but remember when Fat Ronaldo? Yeah, the hat original trick. Hat trick. The hat trick at Old Trafford. You know, they gave him a standing ovation when he got subbed off. Ronaldinho so. got one at the Bernabeu, didn't he? Uh, he did. did he? Sure he yeah, he uh, he scored a hat trick or something like that, and he came off and got applauded. Mm. Uh, elsewhere in the Champions League, Atletico Madrid five, Malmo nil, Olympiacos one, Juve nil, Juventus are now third. 
uh, in Group A. Olympiacos are top of six, Atletico Madrid six, and then Juventus back with third. They don't do too well in Europe. Uh, Man City, the Man City of Italy. They are, aren't they? And they've got tethers. Uh, Ludogrets beat Barza 1-0, which kind of does Liverpool a favour. So you've got Real Madrid on nine points, and then you've got Ludogrets second, uh, then Liverpool, then Basel, all on three points. So the only problem is with that is Liverpool go to the Bernabeu in two weeks. Well, and again, you're not, you're going to imagine that they're not going to get anything from that game. So the the which is the next game after that? Is it Basel or Ludogrets again? Uh, well, they played Ludogrets first, didn't they? So that might well be the last game, I think. Yeah, two massive games. Two enormous games. Man City are third in their group. They're two points behind Roma, who got an mm. absolute humping. I watched this. This was um, this was a lesson in football. This was it was. Five and a half time to Bayern Munich and then finish 7-1, bearing in mind this was at the uh, Stadio Olimpico. Crazy. It was a fantastic game. Wow. Because, you know, the, the, the Rome, Roma are heralded, aren't they, by the hipsters in particular. They're this, as, year, they're this year's hipster this, team, aren't they? Yeah, as an up-and-coming team of, you know, who could who could do anything. Um, but, I don't know, maybe it's indicative of how how lack, the lack of quality in Serie A, I don't know. But, um, obviously, Bayern just came and took them to the cleaners. Well, you got them. And then you've got Juventus champions who are third in their group. So, yeah, it could well be Serie But, yeah, it's interesting to see, isn't it? Hipsters one year, they go for Bilbao, and then they go for Dortmund, and, and Atletico, mm-hmm. and they tell you off because you're not saying Atleti. And now, uh, this time, it's Roma. The curse of the hipsters. Mm-hmm. It is, yeah. Mm. Okay. Uh, elsewhere in football, quite sad news this week. We've had two players die. Um... Indian footballer, I'm going to really struggle with this one, with his surname, Peter BX Sangzula, I think is his name. I'll probably, Congratulations. I'll probably rip that to absolute bits. Uh, he died <laughs> suffering um, injuries as he landed awkwardly like celebrating a goal. Assumably this was some kind of loa loa um, somersault. He, got, he damaged his spinal cord after scoring an equaliser. And also, closer to home, this is in Devon. A player has died uh, in a league game in Devon, young lad called Nick Cole, apparently in his 20s. Possible heart attack. He reported breathing difficulties before half-time and his legs feeling like jelly uh, and wanted some fresh air. I think he came back out for the second half and collapsed, unfortunately. Yeah, oh, well, both both instances, you know... It's, it's... horrible. Chelsea have been, I think Chelsea have been yeah. disciplined today or, or been reminded of their duties today over the Courtois injury where he had concussion. Mm. Um... So you kind of hope that teams will learn from there. Gary Monk has been asked to explain his comments about Victor Moses diving. Uh, Gary Monk, former manager of Chico Flores, has been asked to um, explain his comments about Victor Moses diving. Neil Warnock has been charged by the FA again uh, for implying that the match referee was motivated by bias. Warnock said after the game against Chelsea last week where they lost, he said, I thought he was influenced today. For the second booking, Remy dives and you have four Chelsea players surrounding the referee. I thought those days were gone. Um, I didn't see the Warnock thing. I didn't see the the incident that he's talking about. But um, we we've seen that kind of thing happen before, where a player goes down and the referees get harangued by one team or the other to give a free kick. Or and and Chelsea, are, it's usually the big teams actually the the biggest culprits. Well, Roy Keane and Andy Durso. Um, right, Keane, Andy Durso, any referee, and Ian Rush, <laughs> um, Chelsea, uh, John Terry, uh, uh, you know, synonymous with it. Um, 
so I couldn't really say about that one, but you can see that you can see that those things happen do happen a lot, and you know, fair play to Warnock if he if he's seen he's saying it like he see, uh, sees it. Same thing with Gary Monk, you know, the it was an obvious dive by um, Victor Moses mm. for that penalty, uh, and actually it's good. To, sometimes it's good to hear a manager come out and call it, but call it right, not just call it out of sour grapes, which you know, Mark Hughes is saying that that's. What he thinks it was, and he shouldn't be doing, shouldn't be calling him a, uh, a a cheat and whatever. But actually, Mark Hughes's view of both situations in that for, for penalties in that game between Stoke and Swansea were ridiculous. You know, he didn't. It is. He said it wasn't the penalty, the first one, um, claiming that Ryan Shawcross has been uh, victimised. Well, no, because he, he brought him down. From a you know, from obviously before the ball even got put into the box, he's wrestled him to the floor. I know Mark Hughes used to love wrestling anybody and everybody whenever he could. Doesn't mean it's something you can it's do. The old argument about they say, well, we have to give six of those a game or something. You think, well, maybe well, you should. I read the I, I read the BBC website the next day, and it was a quote from Danny Mills saying, "You should never give that as a penalty because otherwise we'll be given seven or eight penalties every single game." He would game. for two weeks, and then it would all stop. Yeah, if it's a foul seven or eight times, then it's a free kick or a penalty seven or eight times. It's just a ridiculous... Some footballers just don't have a brain in their head. Um, and, you know, I'm I'm all for calling somebody who's a cheat a cheat when it needs to be done. I don't have an awful lot of sympathy with Warnock, more for what Delaney did, because he rightly got booked for his first tackle. Um he already knew he was on a yellow card. I think Remy did fall down a little bit too easily, but Delaney gave the referee a decision to make. And if you're going to give someone a decision to make, the chances are he might make the wrong one, as far as you're concerned. Mm. But yeah. you think it's time that only captains and the people and the, and the players involved spoke to the referee? Yeah, there should be. A, a, you know, there's so many times we hold up rugby as a, a bastion of Apart virtue. Apart from when they're punching unconscious people. Apart from the punching and the gouging and the ear biting and all that kind of stuff, but when it comes to speaking to referees um, about decisions or what have you, then yeah, it should be the player involved and or the captain mm. only. Otherwise, you're just going to continue to get the the Roy Keane Andy Derso situation happening over and over again, and it does happen all the time. Is there anything more tedious than a rugby snob? As a, a rugby what? snob. A rugby mm. snob. Do you not get these where they talk down about football and footballers and how noble their sport is? Well, I'm kind of lucky that I don't live in a rugby area, but you know they're, they're right to a point. Mm. You know, the, the a, football, a footballer fight is hilarious, really, isn't mm. it? When you watch, when you watch it. Whereas you see a rugby, at least if you're going to get sent off or you're going to have a fight, at least swing a proper punch. You know, none of this like standing chest to chest and you know. Forehead to forehead and trying to act a big man, that's not very big or clever. We need more Kevin. You're all red. Duncan Ferguson is one of your heroes, isn't he? Yeah, at least, Duncan, if, at least if Duncan was going to get sent off, he was going to get sent off for actually doing he something. He can do something properly. You know, he, again, he was usually idiotic for doing it in the first place, but at least if you're going to swing a right hook at somebody or jab them in the stomach, then at least do it properly. One of my favourite five minutes at a football ground was watching him and Stefan Freund. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's still a great picture. It was brilliant. Uh, the Football Association confirmed it was received 
an allegation by Cameron Jerome that he was racially abused this week by Leeds defender Giuseppe Belushi or Belushi. Belushi. Uh, Clattenburg, Mark Clattenburg halted the game midway through the first half, having received a complaint from Jerome following a verbal clash. Um, I kind of saw this a little bit. They had to stop the game while Jerome pointed at Belushi and uh, obviously told Clattenburg what he thought he said. Uh, the 25-year-old defender was spoken to by the referee and he also addressed both managers on the touchline. Clattenburg then booked Jerome a few moments later for clattering into him. <laughs> mm. So again, yeah, probably not thinking with his brain there, Cameron Jerome, but um, uh, it's very, very hard, isn't it, I suppose, when you've got one person's word against another. You've got to have some kind of proof, and if there's televisual proof of, and, and lip readers and all this able to be proved or witnesses, then otherwise, yeah, it's it's one person's word against another. Why would why would Jerome say that it happened if it didn't happen? There's no real benefit. It was, it was Norwich versus Leeds. It wasn't a a Champions League final at a crucial moment of the mm. game. So you can't imagine he's making it up. There's no real benefit for him to be putting him, put his name in the press over something like this, mm. for example. So there's no, re- there's no reason for him to have made it up. I suppose it could be a misunderstanding. You know, the guy who might have been trying to say one thing and being Italian, it might have come out sounding like another because of his accent yeah. or it, it is what it is, you know, it is how it, how we would hope it wasn't, but, you know. And Sunderland supporters who made the trip to St Mary see their fans hammered, uh, see their team hammered 8 nil, or have their refund. They won't get their um, travel refunded because that's a little bit harder to prove, but they'll get their match ticket um, uh, refunded. Which got me thinking about other cases of footballers being a little bit generous. Bayern Munich refunded their fans the other week. They went to see them against CSKA. Did you hear about this? There were some 40-odd Bayern Munich fans who'd already booked their tickets for the away game for um, uh, for Bayern Munich against CSKA. One of them was Bastian Schweinsteiger's brother. So they rented a room in an apartment block above the CSKA ground and then they um, watched the game from outside the window. Uh, Anichi Aneu, I think is his name, is the um, American defender. He, He signed for AC Milan and then got injured for a year and refused to take any wages for that year. Yeah, um, I'm sure there's been many other. Stephen Naismith this season has bought set fans tickets, hasn't he? Yeah, he did something. Yeah, for for people on the dole. Right. He, he's done something else as well. Some some other kind of small philanthropic gesture, but I can't remember what it was. But it was something along those lines, you know. He's so, done a few of these things, hasn't he? Yeah, the the Sunderland one's quite interesting because you don't go to football matches and. You know, if your team plays badly and loses two nil, where you know where is the cutoff point for for where you start? Um, to be fair to the Sunderland fans, I don't think there's been a huge outcry to say we want our money back and we want a refund. It was something instigated. It by was Manoni, wasn't it? It was Manoni, yeah. And and obviously, I live in the northeast, and on um, BBC Look North the other night, one of the guys who runs the Sunderland fanzine was being interviewed, and he said. You know, if it was, I don't know whether he went or not, but he said, you know, I'm not fussed. I don't go to see football to expect to get entertained or ex- any expectations. I go because I support the club, win, lose or draw. Just on this occasion, we got trounced, um, and I, I think I'd be in that camp. I wouldn't be demanding. Mm. I would. I personally wouldn't demand my money back. But on the other hand, it is a good gesture by the players. And in these days, when you know they, they get a lot of stick for the money that mm. they get, and of course people tip up a lot of money to go and watch their team. 
Um, it is a it is a nice gesture, but uh, it's a if funny. You buy one. a ticket, keep the receipt, and they lose. Can you take it back for faulty goods? Hmm. Yeah, exactly. You, but that but it's one thing if you go to the the theatre or you go to a gig or something, you pay forty pound or fifty pound to go and see your favourite music act. You're pretty sure you're going to get entertained. Yeah. You pay you pay your fifty pound to go and watch a Premier League game or your forty quid. You, you you shouldn't really be going with that in your mind that I should be getting guaranteed entertainment or a guaranteed right. victory. If you, if if you're going to do that, then you shouldn't really be going to a football game. I, I think, think the only time you can really kind of think that. Remember, Wolves went to United a couple of years ago. Mick McCarthy played the reserve team, and the fans were very upset with that, weren't they? I can yeah. kind of see it from their point of view. But no, what you're saying is is quite right, isn't it? You you if you know your team's not that good. And you're you know you're you're a Sunderland fan, then you know there's more every chance they could lose if you go away. And you know where Southampton is before he set off. Yeah. Anyway, that brings us neatly onto our predictions for this weekend. Uh, what we have, we have a little game between the three of us. Emma will uh, give us her predictions later on. We go through all the weekend's football fixtures for the Premier League. And for everyone we predict correctly, we get a point. Uh, last week, yourselves and Emma both got six points. I unfortunately got four. I... <sighs> You lagging behind? And it, well, I was I was ahead, but I, I'm, I think I'm starting to lag behind. I think I predicted something really, really weird. Like, um, uh, I think I predicted something like Liverpool QPR would be a draw or something odd like that. I, I got. I, I'm pleased I got West Brom man. I know I saw that. But, that yeah, point. you did, didn't you? I was very pleased about yeah, that. Yeah, you should do six numbers for Saturday. Yeah. I do. Uh, right, the only fixture on Saturday lunchtime is West Ham Man City. That. On paper, uh, you would say Man City, but games aren't played on paper, are they? It, it looks quite a toughie. Could be. West Ham have got scraped a few good results. They, they deservedly beat Liverpool, who obviously are, although not playing that well, are still in fifth mm. position. Um, and West Ham are fourth, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Not not doing too badly themselves, but it's it's Manchester City, you know. I can't, I can't really think West Ham are going to get anything out of them I don't think so I'll go Man City I'm going to go for a draw I think I don't know they're on a bit of a high aren't they West Ham and I think that um, it's not an easy place to go is it I think they could suffer when they move to the Olympic Stadium and the fact that it becomes then like an identical stadium same as everybody else Upton Park is a little bit different isn't it Southampton had the same when they moved uh, to St Mary's didn't they yeah um Liverpool Hull, three o'clock. I remember Liverpool drawing this one. When the year they came second in 2009, they drew this one. Really? Okay. Um, Hull, Hull had a good result last week. They were 11th. Away to Arsenal. Um, can they do it a second week running? Can Liverpool pull themselves around? I think I think Liverpool will win. Um I don't know if they've got storage back anytime soon. He's out for another couple of weeks. Yeah. Is he? Um, I, I'm a bit surprised Lambert hasn't had more of a chance. Yeah. That team. I'm quite surprised. He's an intelligent player. Okay, he's not mobile, but he's intelligent. And there's plenty of mobility in that team could make mm. up for it. So I would be surprised if he got a start. Um, but I think Liverpool might might just kind of get over what happened the other night and say, look, we've got a. You know, they got lucky at QPR last week, I think. They'll they'll want to get back in, in their stride pretty soon. So you're going to go for them, you? Okay, well, I'm going to go against my usual grain. I'm going to agree with you. <laughs> God, I did this last time and they drew three over Crystal Palace. 
You've got to be right once. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Not too often if I keep predicting they win. Right, Southampton's stripy tour continues. They're playing Stoke at home. Um, this was the Begovic goal last year, wasn't it? Do you remember? It was, yeah. It was at Stoke, wasn't it, this one? Oh, is that where it was? Oh, right. Okay. It was at Stoke, yeah. Well, Southampton, they just continue to surprise, don't they? Yeah, they do. But then Stoke aren't too bad, are they? No, they're not They're not a bad team at all. Um, but I would still pick Southampton the way they're playing at the minute. I know I know, 8 nils a kind of a bit of a... Bit of a shock one, but you, you know you still would have expected them to beat Sunderland, and they've gone and done really well in a lot of the games. So, yeah, has to be Southampton. You're going Southampton. I think I'm going to do the same as well. You kind of think at some point their bubble's got to burst, though, don't you? Yeah, it will. It will. But just while they're on that on that run, are Stoke good enough to be the ones to do it? Mm. What do? I, I would doubt. I would if, doubt that. If you're but. a Southampton fan and you're third at the moment, considering the personnel you sold in the summer, what would you be happy with? Would you be happy with survival and see this as a season of transition, or do you think we're well, where we are at the moment? We're third, and we want to go for a Europa League place. I think they'd be pleased if they finished up in the same sort of position they did last year, which was like eighth, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, but where the, what they were thinking at the start of the season mm. compared to where they are now. Yeah, yeah. I think if you're a fan of Southampton, you probably never expect that mm, much. That's true. Um, and as you say, they were all they're all expecting doom and gloom as everybody else was at the start of the season. So anything other than relegation will be brilliant. But after the start they've had, yes, they will have a drop off at some point. But you'd you'd expect that if they can still kind of keep that up in certain spells, that mid table or better isn't out of their grasp. Mm. I think yeah they did sell a lot of talent you know they did sell Lambert who was a major source of goals they sold Lalana who was you know an excellent player for them and that but they kept I tell you who I think is a key for them and that's Wanyama and when he when he didn't play last season I think he had a spell of about six or seven weeks out Southampton they had a dip and then when he came back they had a little bit of a, a spike again so I think he's a crucial player for Southampton and it was it was um, good for them to keep Greg and him. Tom on the Sunday show pan him every week. Really, I, I don't. I don't think he's a great player, but they seem to play better when he plays. I don't. So, you know, maybe there's something yeah. in there. Uh, Sunderland Arsenal. I got a sneaky feeling for Sunderland on this one. Um, I don't think they've got a great record against Arsenal. If I'm, if I'm thinking right, think, you don't think they want a bit of a reaction to what happened last week and Arsenal only just beat Anderlecht. Mm. They only just drew with Hull. Mm. Okay, you're kind of talking me into possibly going for a. Oh, go on then. Do you know what? I'll go for Sunderland. Oh, yeah. laugh. I knew we'd do yeah. that, right? I'm going Arsenal. <laughs> we're a laugh. We'll go you're going Sunderland. Sunderland, right? I'm going to go Sunderland as well. In fact, I won't. I'll go for a draw just to be a little bit different. But um, I think we could see some kind of surprise there this weekend. Uh, West Brom Crystal Palace. Manager um, of the month at Neil Warnock. That was their first loss for some time, wasn't it, against Chelsea? Mm, West Brom mm. are on a bit of a high at the moment. Yeah. They'll always give people a game at home, West Brom. I think that's one thing you can say about them. So, I, I, I wouldn't want to call it either way, so therefore I'll just go for the draw. <laughs> Fair enough. I think it's, I think, you know, it, this is a game that you would 
if somebody said one way or the other, you wouldn't you wouldn't disagree. But so therefore, I'm going to go for a draw play. Right, I'm going to go for uh, West Brom. I think um, they did look good the other day. Sassignon had one of these games where you know his one game in five where he does look good. Barry Hino looked good. I thought people like Brunt played yeah. well. He's not a bad player, is he, Chris Brunt? And I thought Chris Brunt, um, yeah. Dawson yeah. in defence had a very good game as well. Although Lescott looked a bit iffy, didn't he? Mm, I, I like Dawson. I've seen him a few times, only for the England under twenty ones. And I think he reminds me a lot of Phil Jagielka, oh, yeah. both in stature and the way he plays. And I, I was very, I've been impressed with him for the under twenty ones. And I was a bit surprised it's taken him. I think maybe it's injuries, but I'm surprised it's taken him this long to get into the first team mm. there, because um, I thought he would have been in there by now. Uh, Swansea Leicester is the late kickoff. I think this is. Uh, I don't know. It's very hard to call this one, actually, isn't it? Mm, Leicester. I think Leicester started well. They've, they've had a couple of. They've dropped off a little bit from the first five or six mm. games, which you would kind uh, of expect a little bit, I suppose, wouldn't you? Yeah, and I think Swansea have as well, haven't they? Uh, Swansea have, haven't they? Because he got manager of the month, and I don't think he's won since, has he? Mm. Uh, I don't know. I think I think I might go for Swansea here. I think they're probably just a better team. Yeah. I'm going to go for a draw. I think Burnley Everton. This has got gimme written all over it, isn't it, for you boys? <laughs> um, yes and no. Burnley have got to win at home sometime. Mm. Uh, Everton did play better against Aston Villa. They still weren't brilliant, but they they played better, deserved 13th, to win. Thirteenth, no? yeah, we've got a, we've got a decent looking run of games coming up. Even though we've got a lot of European games in that time, um, he did rest a few tonight. Lukaku came on second half. Um, Coleman didn't play. Naismith didn't play. McCarthy didn't play except for the last ten seconds mm. or something. Um, so I, I, I probably I probably will go to, go for Everton in this one because I think. For a team who's just trying to get their confidence back, Burnley away isn't a, such a bad fixture. No. And I'm going to go for Everton as well. Uh, Tottenham Newcastle, Newcastle notoriously losing the capital, don't they? But they've been a little mm. bit resilient the last few weeks, haven't they? Since Pardew's been under pressure, they've shown mm. some kahunas, haven't they? They have, yep. Yeah. They're still not playing great, but they are battling mm. to get some Tottenham points. Tottenham uh, Tottenham, Tottenham are funny, aren't they? They're a yeah. funny side. I, I, I think Newcastle might get something. I think we'll go oh, for yeah. a draw. Yeah, I think it'll be the same thing again. Maybe Tottenham, let's say there's going to be a European hangover, mm. perhaps. Um, they keep shuffling their side around quite a bit. Newcastle might just still be in the same scrapping position they've been for the last few weeks. Yeah, so. I'm going to go Spurs, I think. Uh, Man United Chelsea four o'clock Sunday. I can't see anything other than a Chelsea victory at all. No, me either. Me either. Um, and I think a comfortable. Chelsea I think so as well. I mean, they look a million times better than last season. It's like it's all kind of relentless march, isn't it? Um, uh, the final game Monday night is QPR Villa. QPR bottom four points minus twelve goal difference. Villa uh, twelve ten points minus eight goal difference. Mm. Um, neither side you can rely on neither of these two no. can you um, but although Villa didn't show much at Everton when, uh, last Saturday they're always a good side on the break aren't they Aston mm. Villa good on the break pacey side 
And I think if QPR, if they sit back and QP, invite QPR on, don't think QPR are good enough to take advantage of that. But I do think Villa are good enough on the break to work their way past QPR. So I'll go for a Villa win. Right. I'm going for a QPR win. I, I, I yeah, have no I, idea why. You, you, yeah, you can't rely on Villa to to do what I just <laughs> said. So you know, you, you you know, it is it is totally possible that QPR. Could I've got this. a vision in the, the Aston Villa dressing room when they go in at half time and they get in a pasting. You've got Paul Lambert laying into his players and they just stood there silently with his arms folded, looking at them in the background. Is Keane, and it's just mm. like. Lambert tells them, sort of shouts them, tells them off, and it's like if they get any worse, I'm going to release this guy on you. <laughs> it's not a pretty thought. It isn't really, is it? No. Uh, well, that brings us to the end of our predictions and also the end of this week's podcast. Um, remember to check out Ross and the guys on Monday when their Sunday evening podcast comes out. They'll be talking over what we just predicted, they'll talk over uh, or talk about low league football, and they will talk about any European games as well. Manofthepost.com has uh, articles going up thick and fast. Tom's got one up this week talking on some of his bets for this coming weekend. I recommend you check that one out. You take on some of his tips at your peril, though. Um, I'd like to say thank you ever so much, Mark, for joining me. Thank you. You've got the Football Pink out this week, haven't you? Yeah, the Football Pink uh, issue six is available available in print. It's available on Amazon. For Kindle, it's available on iTunes for whatever i equipment you have, uh, and it's available on um, Exact Editions if you just want to watch it on your uh, see it on PC, laptop, or whatever. So, if anybody's interested, go to footballpink.net. All the details are how you want to get hold of it on there. So you can look forward to the Berlin Wall, the Arms of Silly, uh, the Art of Captaincy, Football Manager. Um, yeah, um, Peruvian Maoist guerrillas, air crashes, um, our obsession with technology in, in the game and how we watch the game, uh, the fall and rise of Gretna, uh, the Battle of Highbury from the 1930s, all sorts There's of something stuff. something for everybody. Okay. Yeah. And if you want to follow you on Twitter, you're at the football pin, can't you? That's okay. right, yeah. And remember, if you do like us, you can leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Colin from the Sunday Show will send you a Man of the Post fridge magnet. And all that remains to be said is thank you ever so much for listening, and always remember to keep your Man on the Post. Is a silly league. It, that's where it starts off, but then it Fucking goes hell. into What's that noise? Hell. What noise? Can you hear this noise? What noise was it? Sound like I can't hear any it's noise. Really like a massive rumble, like traffic and somebody talking. Really? What the hell? It's not here. We are bastard. Oh shit! What's this? I got a YouTube clip playing.
Is it you it's or me? me? Somehow YouTube's loaded. Fucking hell is that? Hang on. It's not filth, is it? Oh, that's better. Jesus Christ. Sorry, it's some... I don't know. What's going on? My computer's going all off. There was a YouTube clip started playing. It was a car accident in Russia. 